Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton, right here on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afton. It's good to be back. Was overseas for the last two weeks. So back here, live in Johannesburg. This is the 21st of October, the 8th of Kislev, 21st of November, sorry. And here we are, and hopefully we can have a show of great music. You were just listening to Habet, which is actually a prayer to God to look down and see the suffering of your nation and avenge the blood. But, but more importantly, God, we never forgot you no matter what happened. And we'll be playing other beautiful music and inspiring music throughout the show. 34519, you could always text and share your messages. And let's get right into it. There's so much to explore at the time. Emotions are intense. It's only been six and a half weeks since the terrible day of October 7th and things and the outcome and the follow up and everything that's followed since then is still very raw and still very um, in our face. Now, when things are difficult, when things are intense, people often head to the area of questions. They go and start asking questions. But it's interesting which questions people ask. So there's two kinds of questions that arise every time there's an intense tragedy. I'll start with the, the correct question. The correct question is, what do I need to do? How can I help? <clears throat> so what can I do to assist physically, spiritually? How can I bring healing? How can I help? Give you an example, not from the current events, but something that happened. It happens, unfortunately, all the time. A young parent passes away. And there's the question, what now? Right? You could ask that question, what now? How do we help the other parent? How do we help the children? Um, what can I do? That's question number one. Question number two is, why? How could God do that? And that's a question that there's many ways to explore that question, many ways to, as they say, to skin a cat. But I want to focus on from one specific dimension and the, the effectiveness of the question. There are times to ask different questions. And the question of why bad things happen to good people, although there isn't, no satisfying answer to that question. It's definitely a question worth exploring. Not when emotions are raw. Not while it's happening. Because that question then is a, is a pointless question. In other words, in general, it could lead to a conversation about faith. It could lead to a conversation to explore our relationship to Hashem. If people are open to the intellectual exploration of the idea, they're willing for a moment to get out of the emotion. But when you're in the emotional space, that question, other than a cry, and there's nothing wrong with a cry, it doesn't lead to much. It freezes us. It plays with our head. And very little benefit comes from it. 
Again, it's a great question. But like anything in life, as King Solomon said, there's a time and place for everything. The time to ask the question why bad things happen to good people doesn't feel right while it's actually happening, while it's actually exploring. It's it's abstracting a real-world event. It's philosophizing something that's on the real ground. And it's almost a... It can be seen, at least from one perspective, as a detachment. Rather, the, 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 the correct question is, what can I do? In other words, I don't have to rush to the philosophical answer, because it is a philosophical question. It's, a, it's an emotional cry, but if you actually want to explore the question, if you actually want to go down that rabbit hole... It's, it's a question that it, it forces you to, to question your assumptions of God, for, for your questions of good, of evil, of purpose in life, of heaven, of this world, of why we were born in the first place. It, it has a very, very huge um, canvas that is needed, that's demanded in order to explore the question. But is that really where to go now? While there's actually a crisis, while there's suffering, while there is need. If there's something I could do, I need to do it. If there's nothing I could do, then I could philosophize. That's the general principle in Judaism. There's time to sit and talk. There's time to have conversations. There's time to explore. But just like in Israel, they've been saying over and over, like the time for politics will come. The time to look for who's to blame will come. Right? That's what they say over and over and over. And I agree with that statement. Right? When you're, when you're focused on your mission, it's not the time to sit there philosophizing and, and, and digging in the past. It's about focusing on the future. Then there does come a time and that time is necessary. No one's, I'm not in any way being disrespectful of the journey that's necessary. The journey of faith and why and how is necessary. But, but when? And what's the purpose? What do I want to get out of it? So the first question is, when am I doing it? Is it the right time? And the second question is, what's my goal? What do I want? Do I want to just massage over or just put a band-aid on a philosophical angst that's driving me crazy? I'm just struggling with that question. How could a good God allow something difficult? Is that really what I want? And like, if I'll get a nice pacifying answer and I'll go to sleep, is it a cry for help? Is it making me question, do I believe in God in the first place and therefore I'm having a crisis of faith? What is it? What's, what's driving that question? And based on what's driving the question, I can know when to ask it, to whom to ask it, and whether to ask it at all. But the, the, the ultimate goal of any question of any exploration has to be leading to good, leading to something that will make me and the world around me better. If it's just uh, philosophical for the sake of philosophical, Judaism doesn't see a point. The action is paramount. Everything must lead to action. And that's really what one explore in this show is this the concept of Refocusing our minds to ask the only and most important question. What now? Where to from now? What do I need to do? What's demanded of me? 
what can I do? While respecting the past. While understanding why we're doing it. So that's really the song I want to play now for you now is the song called Memories. It's a song about World War II. And um, it's really sitting with that question. How to respect memory, but how to build a future. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. <clears throat> this is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson. And you were just listening to the haunting song written by A.B. Rottenberg, song, sung by Avram Frieden, Mordechem, and David, Memories. I remember watching a video once of the late Chief Rabbi Sachs, and they asked him if there's one question he could ask God, what would it be? And his response, I'm not quoting it verbatim, but definitely in the spirit of the response was, I would ask God, what do you want of me? What, what, what's my calling? What's my purpose? What do you want of me? In other words, what to now? And that really is the, if I could say, the most important question in life. What now? Machshav. What now? What am I going to do? What's, what's in my capability? How can I better the world? How can I fight for justice? How can I make a difference? How can I add light to this world, whether through campaigning, whether through praying, whether through um, charity, whether through helping somebody, what can I do? And that's a question that we often forget, especially, you know, we live in a time that everybody has a megaphone. It's, it's in my lifetime, and I'm not an old person, where I could remember a time that most of us did not have a megaphone. We did not have Facebook, we did not have even WhatsApp, um, and are, unless you were on the radio or the TV, you, you know, as a broadcaster or a news writer in a, in a newspaper, your realm of influence on the most part was relatively small, a politician maybe, etc. But for the average Joe, they found meaning and purpose not by pontificating their ideas, unless I'm sure they, they, they sat in the stable and shared their thoughts, but on the most part they added by adding value. I think one of the interesting side effects of the social media world, and I mean social media, literally even WhatsApp, I'm like, or even text messaging, this idea of dissemination of ideas and where every single person could type up their ideas in five seconds, you don't need a computer, and 30 years ago, 40 years ago, no one even had computers. You couldn't just sit there writing your ideas. Basically, today, everyone could share their opinions, and many people are. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and of course, X, Twitter, WhatsApp, etc. Now, there's an upside. It democratized. It allowed a lot of people to share their opinions, and I'm sure there's some benefits of it. But on the most part, it's been a serious mixed bag with a lot of serious trash can, with a lot of rubbish and nonsense. But besides that, besides the, all the fake news and all the, ru- the rubbish that comes out, there's another downside, and that is people think that the actual way they're going to make a difference is by posting another tweet. And there are, there are certain people who are real influencers. I hate the word influencer because basically it means that you can sit and write down five words and you're influencing the world. Um, it's just a nice way to make money for most. But anyway, sorry for that dig. Um, 
a real today most people think that they're influencing by just sitting in front of their screen and commenting on articles and commenting on other people's tweets which will comment on somebody else's tweet etc but that's not really what the world was meant. I can't imagine we're going to show up to God one day after 120 and God will look at us as we sit in the front of the court of justice and he'll be like, well done on responding to every single tweet. You really, and like that, those comments, those biting, snide comments, they really, they really took you a step up. They really made my world a little more wholesome. There is a role for that, just like there's a role for everything. There's always a role for journalism and there's always a role for commenting. But today it's become an obsession and it's replaced something. It's For many people it's replaced real good, real doing good, making a real difference in your community, right? We're all part of big communities. We're on Facebook groups with thousands of people and we're tweeting and we're reading tweets that are sent to millions of people and we're hoping that our, our response to the tweet will be read by millions of people. But what we've lost is real impact and re- making a real difference in someone's life. One by one, echad echad. It's almost like if you make a difference in a small, small community for your neighbor, it's not good enough. You have to have mads of influence. You can't just have an influence in your community, right? You can't just have a share with 10 people. You have to have thousands of people on YouTube. And again, there's an upside. Mass media, there's something powerful. But it's it's getting a bit boring. It's getting a bit... It's cheapening something that's much more important. And that is intimate community and intimate impact. Making a difference for one person. Helping one person. Making sure that your neighbor or your family member has food for Shabbos is much more important than 5,000 tweets. Incomparably more important. And it's something that in my life I had had to go through that journey because I grew up in the same world as anybody else. And I was brainwashed, not by someone consciously, but by the, the world narrative that mass impact is what's important. How many views do you have on YouTube and how many people are following you? And eventually I had to make the decision to go off um, social media just for that reason. It was, it was becoming an unhealthy thought process. And step focusing inward on my community, on my family, on the, on Chai FM, on my small little world, which is more than enough. That's what I'm learning. That's what my journey in life has taken me. That right after the show, I'm going to be going to visit an older lady in my community who's ill. I'm going to spend time with her, talk, listen. And I'm not sure which hour is going to have more impact. My hour now, one to two, where hopefully I'm talking to a large, largest crowd. Or sitting with the old lady. And talking about her life and just wishing her well and praying for her. And I would encourage us all to reassess before we sit there thinking big. Big is important. I'm not anti-big thinking. I think we all try have to have impact. But real impact is one-on-one. And we're having way too many people trying to change the world. I've, I've said this before on the show. I'm actually getting bored and sick and tired 
um, of how many people want to change the world. Because when I look at the people that are trying to change the world, I'm like, you can't even get your life together. You can't even fold your own, I don't know, make your own bed. Can't even control your own temper. You can't even forgive the people in your own life. And yet you want world peace. I want world peace. How about peace in your heart? How about peace in your marriage? How about peace between you and your kids? The inner world is being sacrificed for the sake of the outer world. And the problem is that the outer world's not being saved because the outer world, the world beyond me, cannot be... I cannot make the world, outer world any better than my inner world. So if I'm messed up and I'm going to try to bring those ideas to the wider world, what do you think the world's going to look like over? I've, and this became crystal clear to me when I read a book um, a while ago. It's called Stalin's Daughter. Don't know if you know the whole story of Stalin. Um, evil man, evil, evil man who ruled um, Russia from 1924 till his death in 1953. And um, he had one daughter who eventually actually uh, turned over and went to the now, this was a man, a tyrant of hundreds of millions of people. He was responsible to the, of the death of over 20 million of his own people. A really, really dark individual. But then you see his own inner darkness. Drove his wife to suicide. Alienated his kids. Burned every friendship he possibly could have. And you realize this man made 300 million people suffer and the whole world pushed into the Cold War because he couldn't solve his own garbage. Because he couldn't solve his own garbage. And that's when it hit me as I was reading that book. My own family suffered tremendously from Stalin. I lost many, many relatives from his persecutions. It came clear to me that um, way too many people are trying to fix the world in their own image but if your own image is lacking heal yourself our, our world needs healing now but it's not by all of us necessarily running out to heal everybody else but for a moment at least to look inward and heal ourselves make our own lives a little more wholesome make our home a little more godly because as Jews, we've known this our whole lives. We've known this our whole history. Rarely until recent times were we able to have influence from a nation state. For the last 2,000 years, we didn't have a nation state until recently. And yet our impact was unbelievable, not by trying to change the world. We were never a proselytizing nation. We never went out trying to convert anybody. But by being ourselves and healing from within, and building our own communities. And slowly but surely, we realized that we didn't only build our own communities. We transformed the world. We have to go back from the outside-in approach and back into the inside-out approach, which I believe strongly will heal our world, but more importantly, heal ourselves. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avton on 101.9 High FM. 
This is 101.9 FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Apton. You were listening to Give Me One Prayer, Ten Lit Vila, um, from Shmuel, a magnificent song. Um, and before the sh- song, we were talking about this idea, which I really believe is one of the most important ideas of our time. It's not my idea. It's a principle. And the principle is heal yourself. And the reason why I feel it's so important is because there's so many people walking around feeling like they're not making a difference. They're not massive influencers. They're not massive machers. They don't have thousands of people watching every video they post. They're not getting 150 likes on every burp they post on Instagram. They're, they're, they're not the people of massive impact. And, um, and it's, it's, it's having real life consequences. It's causing people incredible amount of anxiety, incredible amount of lack of self-worth and disempowering people, which is the most, which is the worst consequence. When someone feels disempowered to actually do the real stuff. Because I can tell you, I, I, I don't really go on social media now. I haven't been on social media in a long, in a while. I don't go to Twitter. I don't go to Facebook. I don't do Instagram. I don't actually know who the influencers are and I don't think my life is lacking in any way and I don't think that um I don't think it matters as much as we think it does. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, that would be a, a big statement. It definitely does matter, everything matters. But not nearly at the scale and how much we actually think it matters. You know, uh, uh, two weeks ago I flew to the United States and I, f- I flew through a European country and on the way back I flew through one of the United States from one state to the next. And I got back, Rabbi, how was the anti-Semitism? Were you terrified? And if you are watching social media and if you're reading the news, you just think that there's 7 billion people waiting to hurt me because I'm a Jew. It's rubbish. There are definitely anti-Semites. I, I know it. Um... But I dove into two different airports on two different continents and nobody even blinked. There I was with my talus and tefillin. And uh, I'm sure some people thought I was wearing a GoPro. But other than that, nobody actually cared. And if anything, I thought I, I, maybe I was assuming that the looks were actually admiring. Here's a guy that's doing his thing. The point is when we're on the social media, when we're on the news the whole day, we're actually thinking that's reality. It's a part of reality. It's not the full reality. The, the most important reality, though, is our own homes. It's our own health, our own perspectives, our own spiritual health, our own communities. That's what matters. There's a famous piece of Talmud of the son of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, who has an out-of-body experience. He so-called dies and he comes back into the back comes back to life, and his father says, "Bni Maraisa, my son, what did you see up there?" And his son tells him the famous statement, "Oylem Hafachraisi, Dad, I saw an upside down world." Al Yenim Lamata Vatachtoynim Lamayla, people who on the physical world are on the top of the rung, are on the bottom there, and people on the bottom here are top there. I think we often forget that there's two perspectives of life. There's the human perspective, what we think is important and significant, and there's God's perspective. And sometimes they align, but often they don't, especially in a world that worships um, popularity and mass influence. I can imagine that when we come up to God and God looks at us and he's like, oh, wow, you, you, you helped your neighbor. I can't explain you how, how, how worthy that is. 
oh, you had 5,000 people or 5 million people listen to your rubbish commentary? Eh, that's totally insignificant. It actually is, on, it goes on the other side of the scale. It's maybe a downside even. The point is, we need to heal from within. Instead of asking the wider question, we started to show why are things happening and, and projecting this question to other people's lives. Why is, why are they suffering? Which is again, an important question that we said it earlier. Everything has a time and place. The most important question is, what can I do? Where's my healing? Where am I building a home for God in my own heart? In the micro. We have to go out of the macro into the micro. We're so living in the macro world, we have access to so much of the big world. So much on our phones, so much, you know, access to, to what's going out there, to other people's opinions, to other people's rubbish, to the news, to, to tweets, to this, to that. But what about my own rich inner world, my own solids? Emunah, my faith in Hashem, my learning, my Torah, my Yiddishkeit my relationships, my friendships, my forgiveness, my grace, my love, my own overcoming impulses and temptation, that's where it matters the most. God doesn't ask me to fix 8 billion people. He asks me to fix myself and have an impact on the people around me. I'm not saying to become selfish. Obviously, that's what we've been saying the whole time. Make a difference. But to your neighbor, to your friend, to the stranger on the street, come back from the think global, act local. Act local. Make a real difference in in your community. And that is much more valuable I truly believe this, that in God's eye, it's much more valuable the difference I've made in my family and my community than the difference I've made or I convinced myself that I made in the wider world. So you want to spend a few minutes on Twitter each day responding to tweets and thinking you'll convince somebody? Fine, go ahead. But the majority of our day, the majority of my energy has to be in my little world. Because it's not so little. Whoever saves one person, says the Talmud, it's as if he saved an entire world. One person. What do you think the Talmud was trying to tell you in that statement? To get back out of infinite numbers, millions, billions, and get back to the number one, one child, one spouse, one friend, one needy individual, one beggar, one person who needs your help. That's where the energy needs to go. You want to change the world? The Talmud says how to do it. Focus on one, and then one more, and then one more. And you wake up one day and you realize that you've truly changed the world. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 Chai FM. 
This is 101.9 High FM. It's time to wrap up our show. My name is Robert Levy Austin. It's great to be back. And please go back next week. And yeah, my prayer to all of us is that we truly make the impact that God designed for each and every one of us by enriching the world around us, by making a real difference, by spreading real love and real impact. And with that, I would like to finish off with the song that's really become the, in Hebrew there's an expression, Paschal. It's really become the song of the last few weeks. It's been sung thousands of times around Jewish communities. We say it every single, many shall say it every Monday and Thursday. Achenu kol beis Yisrael, our brothers, all the house of Israel, Hanasuni Matzara Vashivya, who find themselves in captivity and in difficult times. Who stand whether on earth or on on sea. May God have compassion on them. May take them out from tightness to expansion. From dark to light. From servitude to redemption. Now, in this in this instant. It's a prayer for our captives, close to 240 captives. It's a prayer for all of us. May we walk into the light with the coming of Mashiach. This is the original Achenu from the original album Leva Nefesh by A.B. Rottenberg wishing you and yours a great day and may we see the materialization of this prayer in our time. Amen.